which band had hit records in the 80s which were produced by John Deacon from Queen and John appeared in all of their videos. You'll hear from a member of that band on this week's Pod 20. Hi, I'm Graham Mack, and also on the show, Ali and Bean from A Cup of Tea and a Chat will explain how their podcast makes money. And you'll meet a bloke who used to pretend to be related to Colin Firth. It's the Pod 20, which is heard on podcast radio on DAB in London, the home counties, Manchester, Birmingham and Glasgow, on demand in the USA at talkers.com, around the world on multiple platforms, and as a podcast itself. Into the chart now, and at number 20, The Mindset Mentor, hosted by Rob Dial. Rob will motivate you to become the best version of yourself. At 19, Lore. Dark historical tales about mysterious creatures, tragic events, and unusual places that fill the pages of history. Sometimes, the truth is more frightening than fiction. At 18, Nothing Much Happens. Bedtime stories for grown-ups from Catherine Nikolai. Catherine, you write the stories and you made the decision to present them as well. Was that a budget decision? Oh, no. You decided you were were the only person who could tell these stories? These are the golden pipes, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) I never even considered it. I mean, I use my voice all day long in the yoga room. I know how to use it to create a mood. I know, I knew what I wanted it to sound like. So I just, I just went forward, just like knowing that I wanted to read the story twice, that that was a really vital, important. And the second time slower than the first time. Yeah. Yeah. I I knew that that would give people permission to fall asleep because they, even though they know nothing's going to happen, part of their brain wants to stay awake to see what happens. And if you tell them, don't worry, it's going to come back around. (sighs) They're out within seconds. So a lot of that was just pure instinct. So did you have any broadcast training or any acting experience or anything going into this? Yeah, I was in theater um, from the time I was a young child all the way up into college. So um, that part to me came real naturally. I knew how to tell a story with my voice. I knew how to use tempo and, you know, even which sounds to lean into so that it felt really soft and relaxing. Yeah, that was all thanks to all the time I spent in Flint Youth Theater as a kid. <laughs> and you so you sent off for this mic. Was it just a basic USB mic? I think so, because I didn't have a receiver to plug it into. I just needed to plug it into my computer. Yeah. And then I had this friend, Bob Wittersheim, who is an, an, an audio engineer. And I called him in the morning and he was like, don't order equipment without me. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, no offense, but I will tell you what you should get. <laughs> and so he had me come into his studio for the first season. And I just recorded there. Nice. And It's about an hour and a half from my house. So we would do maybe four episodes in a day. And then I'd come back in another couple of weeks and we'd do it again. And then eventually we just realized it was a little bit too cumbersome. If I was going to be delivering a new episode every other week, I needed to have a spot in my house. And I have a spot that kind of looks like where you are right now with baffle on the walls and a little recording room. And that's where I record every week. 
Yeah, this is I, this is actually my first time I've done a video from in here. It only got delivered last week. It's a company nice. in, in Yorkshire called Cube K U B E, and they they come and they build it. And I I, I designed they, there's some basic thing, and I but I designed where I want the shelves because I wanted the. That I wanted the uh, computer to be so I could read scripts at eye level and you yeah. know certain things I I wanted. But is is yours one of those? Because there's some good ones in the US. Is Whisper Room, VocalBooth.com, Studio Brick. I just put it together myself. Is I it? had a room in my house, yeah, that was a dark room um, that someone used to deliver or to develop photos in. So it's nice. There's no windows. It's in the basement. It's concrete. And it's real small. And so I bought a bunch of baffle and I hung a blanket from the ceiling. And then I just have my little table with my mic and it has one of those background baffles behind it. Yeah. Um, you know, I, so far I think it's working pretty well. Like the, I, 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 like I did, the, I did a book. year, I did 51 audio books in my wardrobe before I got this. So I've really <laughs> come up in the world. I'm out of the closet. I've come out of the closet. Um, <laughs> Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> and you record in the dark. Yeah, pretty dark. Yeah. <laughs> so what what is the what is the lighting setup then? Um, there's I have like this little um, l tiny lamp that I flip over and it just glows like real small. But I am quite light sensitive, so I feel distracted by light. So it is quite dark in there. I just am reading off. Uh, a, a tablet and then recording onto my computer and then I send it to Bob and he fixes all of it. He does it. He does all the, uh, the mastering and stuff because it yes. sounds great. It's, he, he knows what Thank he's you. doing, but I mean, he's, de he does. he's, he's dealing with the, the, the content he's dealing with is a one anyway. So he probably doesn't well, do that you. much. It's true. <laughs> and when you read, how do the stories make you feel? Um, I'm actually quite emotional about them. And sometimes in a way that I can't even explain, I've done a few live reads. And I did one at Christmas time where I read a couple holiday themed stories, and I cried through half of them. <laughs> and I don't know why people often tell me they cry when they listen. And I think it's because it feels so sort of pure and wholesome. And that feels like such a relief after the world you walk around in sometimes all day to come someplace where just people are safe and respected and have access and nobody's hungry and everything is safe that I feel like such a relief that I sometimes feel quite emotional. My brother told me that too. He said, I don't know why, but when I listen to your voice, it makes me cry. <laughs> and <laughs> I said, this is the effect I have on people. They either fall asleep or I make them cry. <laughs> it's great though nothing much happens bedtime stories for grown-ups from Catherine nikolai and it's at number 18 this week on the pod 20 at 17 anatomy of murder a murder case has many layers the victim the crime and the investigation to truly understand it you need to dissect each piece of a tragic puzzle at 16 happy place Fern Cotton talks to incredible people about life, love, loss and everything in between as she reveals what happiness means to them. At 15, Richie Firth, travel hacker. Richie, having you on the Pod 20 is a historic on-air reunion for us because we used to do a breakfast show together 15 years ago. Yeah, it is historic. Yeah, 15 years is too long. So, how have you been? You working? <laughs> uh yeah i i uh, 
I am, uh, and I'm, and I'm well. Yeah, it's all good. For those of uh, who don't know, Richie presents the uh, the drive show with Bush every weekday. It's the home time show, isn't it? It is. Yeah, home time on Absolute Radio in the UK, and. Uh, yeah, uh, regarding uh, am I working, I, I was working about three minutes ago. So I've uh, literally, yeah, we just uh, fired off the last break of the show and uh, and now here we are. Look at that. So this is where you are. You are in Absolute Radio's HQ there. I am. Yes. Yes, I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's good to be back in a studio. I mean, it's been challenging for everybody over the last um, year and continues to, to, to be. But um, uh, working from, from home has been... You know, to, to, doing a live radio show from home has been miraculous, but um, being back in the studio, there's nothing like it. All right. And you've got this this podcast as well, Travel Hacker, which is why you're here, which is why I'm going to yeah. talk to you. But I want to go back to the beginning, Rich. So you grew up in Eastbourne? Uh, yeah, Eastbourne was my hometown, first 18 years of my life, and then uh, off to university in Bournemouth and... Uh, uh, I started working on a breakfast show with uh, a right old shifty bloke. Yeah, that James Lloyd. He wasn't. Uh... <laughs> 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 I feel sorry for him because he was um, he was there. This back in ninety seven. I I came over from Australia, and you were working. You were Richie. Were you Richie the travel boy. I was just the travel boy, yeah. Travel boy. the travel boy, reading the travel news out on the breakfast show um, with, with James, yeah. Yeah, and then I showed up and kind of took his gig, didn't I? Well, yes. And then after 18 months, I left and said, I'm never coming back. I'm going to work on radio stations all over the UK and I'm going to be mega successful. And so, of course, six years later, I was back at 2CR, only this time I was the boss. And in the meantime, James had clawed his way back onto the breakfast show. And I really wanted to do the breakfast show. Yeah. And, uh, and I nicked his job for a second time. Yeah. <laughs> one cannot uh, deny those are the facts yeah so anyway so i started working with you and after a while you became richie the travel chicken i did indeed yeah and uh i hated it but um you were like uh, what 19 were you? you were still at university i was still at university uh, you gotta start I, I somewhere Absolutely, I love the uh, I love I love the gig that I had, and I was very lucky. And I look back on it, uh, look look back on it right now with with incredible fondness, and, uh, and realizing what a privilege it was. The bit that I hated about it was having to dress up in a very hot yellow chicken outfit every day. But it worked a treat because we used to put you on like road bridges, and uh, you would give us the travel news, and anybody driving past would see a giant chicken, and yes. then next to a vehicle with our a 102.3 dial position on it. And we that used was, to pick up listeners that way. And it worked that great. Was, that was the deal. It did work well. And uh, yeah, I had some uh, marvellous opportunities of abseiling down buildings dressed as uh, dressed as the chicken and uh, and wing walking and jumping out of planes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, wing walking. That was funny. You were live on top of a biplane, weren't you? We threw you out of a plane. You parachuted as well. Mm -hmm. You did all yep. that. And then after 18 months of that, then Christian O'Connell turns up and you worked with him for yes. the first time in Bournemouth. 
Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah. Uh, wow. Do you know what? It's, it's it's weird. This is like a bit of a this is your life. But yeah, yeah. that's that's exactly. Well, what we happened. need to get some background because you know we've we've established travel was where you started out, and it's kind yeah. of where you are now with Travel Hacker. You know, it's full yes. circle. No, that is true. Do you know what? I hadn't actually joined that circle together myself. You're the one that's done that. <laughs> that's because you were trying to forget that you were dressed as a giant chicken. <laughs> I've first, it from my head. <laughs> for the first few years of your broadcasting career. And I'm Correct. sorry I if I've exposed to that there, Richard, opened a wound, because clearly it was something you were trying to blank out. <laughs> yeah. Back then, I think you used to tell people you related to Colin Firth. Do you still do that? Um, there's less people that get sucked in by it. I think people are a bit more savvy these days, but it is a line that I trot out. Okay. I met him. You did? Did you tell him that you used to uh, impersonate a relative? No, I I said I said to him very convincingly, because somebody once told me, uh, just, you know, say it with conviction and people might believe you. Yes. And I said to him, I said, you know, <laughs> yeah, guilty look. I said to him, there's a chance that you and I are related because we both have the same surname. We're both Firths. And he looked at me and said, um, I can see the family resemblance. I'd say we probably are. There's not many of us around. All right. So it backed up the story. It did, yeah. I so it's not just backed it up. I feel I can now repeat it with some legitimacy. <laughs> Richie Firth, travel hacker, is at number fifteen this week on the pod twenty. At fourteen, the Daily Show with Trevor Noah, ears edition. Thirteen, what if, with Lorraine and Rosie. Have you ever imagined taking a different path? Is there something you wish you could have done differently? Do you have a hidden passion? that you would want to turn into your future. Rosie Smith and Lorraine Kelly meet celebrity guests to discuss all of this. At number 12, Media Masters from the PR guru Paul Blanchard. Paul, what was the motivation behind starting the podcast? We'd already decided, because I, I work with thought leaders, and one of the things that we're trying to do over the years is rather than just sort of writing things and sort of selling them in. And we were trying to get our clients to sort of own the message and, you know, start to do thought leadership that, uh, on platforms that they'd own, so their blog and so on. And so we had three or four podcasts that we'd created for clients where, you know, we would get them on other people's podcasts, but we also wanted them to be the presenter of their own podcasts and have guests come on it and so on and so forth. And it's there were several reasons, really. I mean, the first thing is a client was asking me about, you know, how to how to – go about presenting a podcast and I was giving them an advice and it suddenly struck me that I was the worst kind of PR cliche that I was advising <laughs> a client on how to present a podcast having got zero experience myself of presenting any podcast in my life so there was that where I thought well if you know I really ought to you really ought to present my own so I can know firsthand what works and what doesn't and then I thought well I'm interested in the media and I had three or four contacts and I just, just thought I'd give it a go, really. So we, we started initially and we called it Media Focus. And it was a little bit nicked from the media show, really, where we had three or four guests each week and we'd sort of digest that week's news. Uh -huh. And, um, it was hell, really, because you try to get, you try to get three topics and three guests and each one wants to talk about one topic and knows very little about the other two. So you get a TV guy on and then there'd also be some legal issue to do with, you know, that was in the news about journalism and he or she would know nothing about it. So trying to get three guests, um, and three topics where they all could talk a little bit around it. And I was finding that there were, there were, um, you know, dating quite quickly because I, you know, who wants to watch last week's ten o'clock news with Hugh Edwards? Because it's done, isn't it? So, yeah, and that's the thing um, with podcasts is the long tail. You want to uh, make it, make the most of that. Yeah, 
Yeah. So we, so, and also one of them would back out because of whatever, 10 minutes before a family problem or traffic problems or whatever. So it was a nightmare. So we did three of those a week, a month. And then every fourth one, we did what we called media masters, which was a one-to-one interview. And I was looking at the figures after a few months and the media masters one outperformed the other ones by hundred to one. I mean, we were getting thousands of listeners for those and it was actually quite easy to get one person in a studio at one moment, we could record at any time and just chat. Yeah. Whereas the other one was all of this agony to try and contrive three topics and get three guests and backup guests and so on. And it was, it was getting 10% of the figures. Of the one. And it suddenly struck me there and then, why don't we just do nothing but media masters? So, um, so we did that. We, we rebranded the whole thing and then we went one-to-one. So, um, and that took about three or four months. And then since then we sort of taken off. I mean, my first, First few guests were sort of my own friends and out my own Rolodex. And, um, you know, then we started to get some big names. Jeremy Vine was a big, big, uh, big sort of early guest because I used to go on his show a lot and uh, he's a friend of mine. Nice bloke. And he came on as a favor to me, really. Great and, episode, uh, too. Yeah. Thank you. He was on Strictly and various other things. So he sort of, that was the first one that sort of did it. And we then, it's, I suppose it's like climbing a ladder, really. You get guests of a certain type on and that encourages more. And people think, oh, if that guest has been on, then, um, you know, I mean, I've got the editor of Vanity Fair coming on in a couple of weeks, and I've already had Tina Brown and Graydon Carter on. So, you know, do you see what I mean? She's yeah. thinking, well, it's par for the course. So yeah. I, I, I think there was that. And then um, what's been really gratifying now, sort of four and a half years in or whatever it is, is, um, you know, people who rightly turned me down in the beginning because we weren't big enough then for them to warrant them coming on. They've they've turned their, they've t- you know, changed their mind. And we've, you know, over the last couple of years, people that turned me down four years ago have, have asked to come on. And that's yeah. been particularly gratifying because it feels like we've reached a certain level of seniority now. And I mean, to be honest, we, it is a genuinely uh, amazing thing. I'd love doing it. I learned so much, but it's, I'd say about 80% of the guests we get now actually ask to come on. Yeah. And uh, I've got an amazing, amazing, um, amazing um, sort of uh, modus operandi now where I can basically pick and choose who I want on, who I think would be, be interesting. And uh, I mean, that's just incredible to, to, to got to where I am. But it, as I say, it only started as a, as a sort of bit on the side, really. And I think it's just, it's just been so beneficial to me. I've learned so much. It's really grown my network as well. And sort of, um, you know, the big names that we've had on as well have really sort of helped drive traffic to the podcast. And that's one of the best things is um, we had Perez Hilton on, many many years ago who's a lovely guy and he has sort of 12 million followers i was in beverly hills went to his house recorded it and then he did two or three tweets that he'd been on it and i think it drove like thirty thousand clicks from sort of three or four tweets wow and that's the thing you know well, if you've got 12 million followers and you tweet that you're on media masters and click here to listen then you know that's the bit that excited me is you know um People want to talk about their career and they look at the other names that have been on. And I think that's, that's enough for them, really. They then think, right, let's do it. And then they tweet and put on their LinkedIn and their Facebook, they, they were on it. So it becomes like a virtuous circle. So I feel like, um, you know, it was a huge boulder at the beginning that it takes huge amounts of effort to sort of get it going. But now yeah. that it's sort of running of its own accord, it's, um, it, it works really, really well. And I've got a, a production team because we produce many other podcasts. So it, it, you know, the intro and the, and I have a few sort of 
what I call safety net questions, just if I feel I'm going to dry up, there's a few, or, or maybe points not to forget, but I don't have like a list of questions, but my producer does that. And so all I literally do is just chat for an hour, yeah. um, read the introduction. Um, and so it works like clockwork and um, I couldn't be more pleased with it. It's a great podcast. It's Media Masters. It's from the PR guru, Paul Blanchard. And it's at number 12 this week on the pod 20. At 11, Sword and Scale the true crime podcast covering the dark side of humanity and human nature, including murder, rape, dismemberment and cannibalism. The worst monsters are real. At 10, Off Menu with Ed Gamble and James Acaster. Ed and James invite special guests into their magical restaurant to choose their favourite starter, main course, side dish, dessert and drink. At 9, Haunted AF with Julie Fisk and Rebecca Black. Real ghost stories told by real people. Now these things that people are seeing and feeling, are they using their powers for the forces of good or evil? <laughs> oh, all of the above. <laughs> really? <laughs> I think with anything anything good in life, you also have to have an equal like bad part of life and vice versa. And I think ghosts play the same way. I think there are definitely ones out there for nothing but good things. And then there's other ones out there that are out there for bad things. Yeah. Wow. And this podcast has really taken off, hasn't it? Because you've got merch and everything. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's a big deal. I don't deal. know if that means you've taken off, but sure. Well, no, yeah. that's, you've arrived. There's this is a certain level, isn't there? You know, there's. Well, you can have merch and people don't buy it. But... All right. Well, how, how's your merch going? Sit there. How's your merch going? <laughs> it could be going better, but yes. Go to com and look at the online store. We actually, we have a ton of really cute t-shirts, hats. Yeah, it looks mugs. like nice stuff. Yeah. Yes, stickers. We have a lot of really, really cute stuff. So yeah. please go buy the Haunted AF t-shirts. Well, you've got the Patreon thing going as well. A lot of podcasters will be listening to this who listen to the uh, Pod 20 to see where podcasts are. Would you recommend that's something worth doing, the Patreon thing? Oh. Highly, highly. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's another, it's a really great way also to connect with your listeners, you know, I mean, especially the people, um, your P1s, so to speak, you're yeah. not passive listeners. And so that it's, uh, it's wonderful. And it really, that has turned into our main source of income right now. So, but it's also, it's another thing that has to be taken care of. It's another, cause it is, it's just Rebecca and I, we do yeah. all the production, but all let the me stories. Just clarify though. Julie does it all. She is like the one woman <laughs> show. Seriously. I just show up. Well, Rebecca has a full-time job, so she's, you know, she's got a lot going on and she helps all the time and she's fantastic and I love her dearly. So, oh, yeah, uh, but it is, it's, it's a small, it's a small operation and, uh, yeah. we are hoping to get more stuff up on our Patreon page, but that is, that's one thing, you know, as far as sharing exclusive content, we don't have a whole lot of content, you know, I mean, we get a lot of stories, but they're not always stories that we're able to share. Um, they're not, they're not always good enough, or they might sound a little too much like stories we already have. 
So as far as having extra content to share on Patreon, it gets difficult to do that. So I have to get creative. I write blogs. I share other podcasts that I've been listening to or other ghost stories that I heard that I think are really cool. I've been putting that on Patreon because since we deal in personal experiences, we don't really have an opportunity to talk about famous ghost stories like um, what is it? The flight, like haunted flights or the Dyatlov Pass. Really cool mm-hmm. stuff like that. We but don't which get a one, which to one touch on them. Haunted flights and what? What are these? Uh, the Dyatlov Pass is this really great Russian. Oh gosh, y'all just go Google it. It's too much to go yeah. into. And I'm going to screw okay. it up. Okay, um, yeah, yeah. It's because yeah, yeah. there's a million conspiracy theories around it. That's why it's so difficult to talk about because nobody knows really what happened. And they were what were they, what were they like explorers? And they're out in the they middle were, of nowhere. Russian college students, um, I think it was like in the late 1940s, maybe 1949, out hiking together. And um, and they all died and mysteriously under very strange circumstances, awful deaths. And they're to this day, like they just reopened an investigation again in 2019, trying to figure out and literally everything from UFOs to Bigfoot to KGB involvement, like all this Mm -hmm. It's so, it's just delicious. There's so much insanity yeah. around this. And uh, and we still don't really know, but it's this really, it's a beautiful group of young college students and uh, who died tragically. So I don't want to sound yeah. too glib about it, but it, it's a wonderful, Dyatlov Pass. Right. Seriously. So, it's a good one. so the way yeah. that you work with your Patreon is you will, you will put people on, you will recommend other podcasts that they might like is that kind of thing sometimes yeah sometimes yeah specifically if there's a story because i'll fall down a rabbit hole about um i want to say is it like flight 1401 but or you know the pass or um the one i just posted was Brittany howard from the alabama shakes apparently lived in a haunted house when she, when they were recording their debut album. So, and then I'll try to gather as much information as I can find on that and then post that. So, and if that includes well, and the other- the Foo Fighters too. And the Foo Fighters story. Now I don't yeah, have that one the up Foo there Fighters. yet, but the Foo Fighters, we've been trying to get Dave Grohl on the podcast for a straight year now yes. because the house that they were, the Foo Fighters recorded their last uh, release in was haunted and they're yeah. real, they're kind of secretive about what happened. They said like allegedly caught it on tape even. Right. And um, yeah. And then had to, they have sign to sign a non-dis- Yeah. The yeah. Non-disclosure. So. Right. Okay. Do you know Dave Grohl? Can you hook us up? I, I don't know Dave Grohl. No, I know he's just done something with Mick Jagger. Do you know Mick? <laughs> <laughs> I don't, um, no, but I would like to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I we'll, don't we'll know. just ring him up real quick. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, you never know. Him. He might listen to the Pod Twenty on Podcast Radio. Does Dave have a podcast? Does Dave Grohl have a podcast? If he has a podcast, I've got. I could ask him on the show, and then when I get him on, I could ask. Oh, yeah. please do. I, I don't know. Yeah, I like that. You gotta have a podcast to get on the pod twenty and haunted AF with Julie Fisk and Rebecca Black. Real ghost stories told by real people is at number nine this week. At eight, Friday night comedy from BBC Radio Four, featuring the news quiz, the now show, and dead ringers. At seven, Monday morning podcast, Bill Burr rants about relationships, sports, and the Illuminati. At number six, Build it with Andy Stevens. Andy, you're a builder turned broadcaster, and you and I met when I was in charge of a radio station for builders in London, which you had a show on. 
Was that your first taste of broadcasting and media? Um, n- not really. I had... Um, You'd had Eclipse run in your business. And then I had... Um, I went for a casting for a, a TV ad just because they needed builders. And I thought, well, if they want funny looking ones, here I am. <laughs> and uh, so ended up doing that. And then... Um, one of the exhibitions, Home Building and Renovating, which obviously one of the big property mags, they got in touch and wanted me to do some opinion pieces or if questions came in from readers. Then I ended up speaking at the exhibitions as the expert builder, then did Grand Designs Live, Audio Home, then started writing for the magazines. And then that came along. So there, what, a couple of years. And then um, since then, um, had a live show with On The Tools for year 18 months did a lot of so a lot of clients or agencies call me now because what's strange is i'm a tradesman you know on the tools but i can broadcast i'm not a broadcaster that once held a paintbrush there's not many of us um that's me i'm a broadcaster who once did it you're actually a builder who can broadcast that's the difference yeah yeah so i I did i got contacted by an agency you're nasa and i'm star trek (laughs) (laughs) i've never had that as a comparison i think that's quite good graham i'm I'm on that thank you (laughs) but i think i think the good thing is is that you know with all the experience you can so leyland the paint company ppg they uh, contacted me about they've got this it's about the size of your thumb this scanner so if, if for example you wanted your lounge colored the same as a cushion you hold this on there and it comes up on your phone matches the paint and then you go and get it mixed so you know great idea and they said we want it to do it on your phone in the van going into the paint because trades people don't want to be sold to they don't want a 20 30 grand polished ad because they just turn it off yeah um and sort of seeing you know never seen anything like this it's it's color swabs paint samples it's you know so it's it's great for me seeing all you know technology catching up and taking a step forward, but it's been good working with, you know, a lot of companies. I, I work with um, obviously the Lighthouse Club as an ambassador, uh, another great company called Volunteer It Yourself, which take um, sort of kids really from a bit of a shaky start in life. And they're funded by Sport England, National Lottery, work with Prince's Trust, and then do up community centres. So a rugby club or a school or a boxing hall or a singing venue. And these youngsters get experience get a qualification, hopefully get an apprenticeship and then get a good start in life. And I was up in Leeds last Wednesday with the mirror and um, they're doing a group or selection of amateur rugby league clubs because we've got the rugby league world cup. Yeah. And it's great because, you know, I've be fair, I haven't really been up North a great deal. And um, you know, this rugby league club is their community. If that went pop, they are, there's nothing. Yeah. And just going up, the youngsters are helping, so they're learning a skill. You've got mentors, skilled tradespeople, obviously getting stuck into it, and it's it's just great to see. So I'm I'm really enjoying being part of that, and um, you know, because we've got to get more kids in. Simple as that. Into into the building trade. Is there, are we facing a yeah. crisis? Are we for for skilled yeah. people in construction? Don't forget, in the southeast, we lost an awful lot back to Eastern Europe end of last year. So demand for trades has gone up, supply has dropped. Yeah, yeah. Simple, yeah, for Brexit, simple numbers. Um, 
people are earning good, good money now. You know, experienced trades. You won't find anybody for months or years that are booked up good people. Um, and I think what was interesting, though, serious numbers are coming across, but older. So I've had an awful lot of messages through social media, and one's an accountant, one's a solicitor. COVID has suddenly made them think, right, I've been at home. I've seen the wife and kids more. I don't want to go and have a row with Eileen over the printer at work. So I'm going to do something while I've got a good income and they're, they're retraining as, as tradespeople. And really? some of the colleges are oversubscribed with people 20s, 30s and 40s. Wow. Wow. That mm. could, uh, well, that could uh, help with the, uh, the whole respect thing, couldn't it? Yeah. Crikey. If you've got accountants and solicitors swapping trades and, and, and these two guys was, why didn't I do this earlier? Yeah. Because they're seeing what they can produce and make, and suddenly you put a ring main in, and you're like, Jesus, where's this come for? You you know, you you plumb in a boiler, and they're, they're really proud because you, you stand back with any trade. Um, obviously, you know, the, the more showy trades, plastering, decorating, bricklaying, um, and you sort of think, ah, look, I've done that. And to me, there's no better feeling than going in an absolute tip of a house and leaving it in show home quality. I, I just think it's the best feeling in the world. Yeah. Andy Stevens, Build It, is the podcast, and it's at number six on the pod 20. At number five, Freakonomics Radio. Discover the hidden side of everything with Stephen J. Dubner, co-author of the Freakonomics books. At four, Conan O'Brien needs a friend. After 25 years at the late night desk, Conan has never made a real and lasting friendship with any of his celebrity guests. So, he started a podcast to fix that. Number three, Humorology with Paul Barros. Paul, we've seen you as a psychologist on The Pitch Doctor on TV. You're a keynote speaker and a comedian. And you were one half of the musical duo The Calypso Twins with Ainsley Harriet. Where did you grow up? I grew up in, in London. I was born in Paddington. Um, and bizarrely, and we only found this out, that Ainsley and I uh, were born in the same hospital in Paddington, two years apart. And, uh, uh, and then we met at school and we ended up going to a large comprehensive school in southwest London uh, called Wandsworth Comprehensive. Um, it was a good school. You had to be sent there by a judge. You know, it was... <laughs> It rough, basically, but great fun. And we had a we had a wonderful time there. And we met actually by doing school plays there. So um I'd always sort of had that sort of desire to actually perform and connect with an audience. And uh, really what my career has done is just sort of extended that desire. So it started in school plays. And then how did you turn that into something that makes money? Well, actually, uh, at 11 years old, my school um, put me up for an audition for the BBC. They said, oh, well, it, it did earn money, but not much. Um, and the BBC did a show called From Us to You, a radio show, uh, Radio 4. And uh, that radio show, um, I ended up being one of the five who got the audition. And we did uh, a couple of series of that, the Christmas special. And... In those days, when you were young, you had to have somebody who looked after you and took you round. And this person said, I work for uh, a Corona stage school. 
would you like to go on an audition? And I went on an audition and I ended up playing Hal Bennett in as a boy in a film uh, called Endless Night, the Agatha Christie with um, Hayley Mills and Britt Eklund. Wow. So from there, uh, from there, well, that wasn't really my springboard into it. From there, I, I, I went back to school and got on with my life. But later on, that bug had bitten. And so um, um, actually, the, the first, I mean, I used to play in bands and I know you're a great musician. And, That's a great uh, musician, but I've been some bands, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, I mean, I wouldn't say I'm a great musician. You've had hit records. I'm... I mean, that makes you a great musician. Well, yeah, I think I'm the. I have lots of friends who are on the podcast, on the Humorology podcast. I've had friends like Mark Bedford, the, the Bedders from Madness, the, the bass player, and, uh, and Spike Edney, who's the fifth member of Queen, who's the keyboard player since 1984. And so I consider them proper musicians. I consider I'm sort of um, still playing at it. Um, but what happened is that I, I, I actually started to need to earn some money. So I did extra work, you know, like Ricky Gervais's extras yeah. um, for a year. And Tony Hawks and I met being extras on films, um, some huge films like The Last Days of Pompeii and things. Um we met and we had so much time to kill being an extra just waiting around that we started to talk about our ambition was to be in bands and to have hit records. And we both loved comedy. And from that meeting on set, Tony and I um, brought in Philip Judge, um, who's now a very well-known actor in uh, Ireland, and uh, we created Morris Minor and the Majors, and uh, that was our kicking off point, if you like, and at the start of the Comedy Store and uh, all the London clubs. Wow, because Morris Minor and the Majors, was it four or five songs charted? I mean, Stutter Rap went to number four, but there was quite a few before that. Yeah, well, we had things like This Is The Chorus, It Did Well, and um, uh, thing, uh, which was, uh, this, this Is The Chorus was a huge hit in Australia, and it was a Mickey take of Stock Aitken and Waterman. And, it, and, and if you look it up on YouTube, um, you'll see that uh, we get to dress as all Stock Aitken and Waterman's um, people. So you'll see me, Tony, and Phil dressed as Banana Rama. Kylie, um, <laughs> you know, so so there's a, and one thing that people don't know is um, that the John Deacon, the bass player from Queen, produced us and plays cameos in all the videos of Morris Minor and the Major in every one. So yes. So you, if you if you're a Queen fan and you want to spot um, uh, John Deacon, have a look at the Morris Minor and the Majors videos. I'll check them out. Humorology with Paul Barros is at number three. At number two, Shagged, Married, Annoyed. The only way that Rosie and Chris Ramsey can have a conversation without being interrupted by a toddler or ending up staring at their phones is by doing a podcast. And at number one this week. For the second week in a row. British Scandal, the podcast that covers scandals involving sex, money and power. 
That's it for episode 55 of the Pod 20. Thanks to this week's guest pod stars, Catherine Nicolai, Richie Firth, Paul Blanchard, Julie Fisk, Rebecca Black, Andy Stevens, and Paul Barros. Next week, my guests include Ali McBean and Jean Bean Baxter from A Cup of Tea and a Chat. You guys were part of the Kevin and Bean show on the world-famous K-Rock in Los Angeles, and now you do the podcast, and like a lot of podcasters, you make money through Patreon. How does that work? Bean. Well, that's an alley question because she runs. No, all that, I want but... you to explain it. <laughs> I don't even know it. We do. Uh, he has we, no it... idea. Is I know thing. this is all Ali's None. business. You know, we're brand new to Patreon. We'd never done this before. And when I said we had no idea how many subscribers we could get, one of the reasons was there's so much free content on the internet. How are we going to expect people to pay for it? Even though it's it's 25 cents a show. That's the low level is three US dollars in America, Graham, which turns out to be 25 cents a quarter for a show, right? right? We thought that's as low an entry point as there can be. And hopefully somebody will sign up for that. But then we put other tiers up that involve video and behind the scenes stuff. We do Zoom calls with subscribers where we you know have basically two-on-one phone calls with them. We do a thing called a crowdcast once a month where very Various tiers get to interact like this, exactly like this. And we play games and we usually get between two and 300 people for that. So uh, behind the scenes videos, but I didn't mention that, you know, we just look for other thing, other content for people who just want to know more about it. Um, we do a, a, I put together a playlist every week. I'm a big music head, as you know, Graham, uh, excuse me, a playlist every month and put that out for subscribers. So just little bits and pieces here and there. Um, you did very uh, well, Bean. I was looking along at what our <laughs> tiers are. That was shockingly impressive. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Yeah. But uh, yeah, uh, I, I mean, it's again, it's just amazing to me that anyone's paying for it. But we're, you know, knock on wood. They, they keep doing it and we appreciate it. So who was the driving force behind starting it then? Blondie. Who are you pointing at? Okay. I'm trying to point at like, you. I don't know if it looks that way, but very strange because I don't even know where you're looking right now. You're looking tell, to the side while we're looking to the front. It's all very strange. Tell tell Graham how I almost had to change my phone number, Allie, so that you would stop texting me about doing a podcast. It's true. It is you, true. You pushed him so, into it. I oh 100%. Here's the thing. I have friends that do Patreon. Um one of my friends Ali Ward does a podcast called Ologies. So it's every certain all they talk about bugs, they talk about farts, they talk and they get she gets experts in to talk about these things. She started on Patreon one show a week and it took off. I mean, she did she was just killing it doing this Patreon. But more so than that, she talked about this community that it turns into of people that want to be there and want to listen to your show, want the interaction. They want to be a part of it. Something that on K-Rock you could never do unless you went out to, a, you know, a meet and greet type of thing. But this is a daily basis where people can interact with you and, and we get to talk to people all the time. And I pitched it to Bean. And when Bean doesn't want to do something... He changes the subject a lot like every man watching this right now. So he'd be like, oh, so what are you what are you doing out there? Are you able to what's lockdown like? And I'm like, all right, we're going to leave it alone. And then a month and a half later, I'd be like, so this Patreon thing. I mean, we could do it three times a week. I could do it for my house. You could. Oh, yeah. You think about getting a dog yet? Like what's going on out there? OK. All right. Not not yet. And then I got a text from Bean that basically said, 
listen, Donna said I need to do a podcast with you before you find someone else. So do you want to talk about it? And I was like, thank God for Donna, as usual. Bean is, um, Donna is, of course, Bean's lovely bride of how many years? 30? Uh, just 30. 30 years. Yeah. So she knows Bean and probably was seeing him getting a little bored, probably seeing him annoying her quite a bit more than usual. Maybe have something to do for a few hours a day type of thing. And that's how it happened. I think in September, you finally said, all right, let's talk about it. And we launched October 12th. So you'd been away from... You've been away from the USA about a year then, Bing. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, about a year. I mean, I, my plan, Graham, as you and I have spoken about, and, and I think I've mentioned this on our podcast as well, my plan in moving home to the UK was to get work in British radio. That's what I thought I would do, is I would leave my American radio job and get something here. Um, for a number of reasons, that hasn't worked out. But um, I still love the, I still love communication, right? Yeah. So I missed it. I just, I got to the point a few months went by. Yeah, it's fun after getting up for so many years doing a morning show. It was nice to have a little bit of time off. I did enjoy that. Except there's a pandemic. Yeah. Well, yeah, it wasn't the greatest time in the world to move to a new continent. That's for sure. But at some point I actually missed it. And I always had fun whenever I either talked to Allie or texted with Allie. It was always entertaining to me. I mean, I enjoyed it if, you know, and I, and I, I thought, hey, I can do more of that. Sure. Why not? So, you know, we didn't have, like I said, we had no expectations going in, you know, we are both professionals and we both, uh, you know, we do the show at a rigid time every single week and take care of all of our business and do everything. It's just a two person operation, but it's really been fairly seamless. You know, I mean, we, we've had a little growing pains here and there, but in general, it's working out way better than we ever thought it would. And it's still super fun and we're getting great reaction to it. So we press on. More from Ali and Bean from A Cup of Tea and a Chat next week on The Pod 20. And if you'd like to watch extended video chats with my guests, check them out on YouTube and subscribe to my YouTube channel. What will happen next week on the podcast radio chart? Will British Scandal be at the top for a third week? Will your favourite podcast be at number one? Find out with me, Graham Mack, and influence the chart. Make a recommendation at thepodcastradio.co.uk. On the morning of August 1st, 1966, shots ring out from the observation deck of the clock tower on the University of Texas campus. It marks the infamous beginning of the modern era of mass shootings in America. You're listening to Stop the Killing podcast. Join us as we take you behind the crime scene tape to explain global mass shootings and mass attacks. I'm Sarah Ferris, but more importantly, this is Catherine Schweitz, the former head of the FBI's active shooter program. I spent five years as the FBI's top executive looking for answers to the mass shooting crisis. I've been at the shooting scenes. I've traced heroic acts of bravery. And I've sat silently and listened to the heart-wrenching stories from survivors. Amongst this horror, there is hope. We all hold the key to stop the killing. You just need to know how to unlock the door. Download Stop the Killing and be part of the solution. Search Stop the Killing on Apple, Spotify and all the usual suspects.